0: This episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Sanborn's Boys. This new sports novel by Benji Mellaris is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sandborn's Boys today. Good afternoon, Tysay. Good afternoon, good afternoon. How's it going? Uh, not bad, not bad. December 20th, it is 3.09 p.m. right now. Uh, I don't think, yeah, so this would have to be the first time we've recorded this many shows in the span of less than a week, because we recorded last Saturday, and we had the 15-minute Taylor Hall episode on Monday, and now it's Friday, so we're already here for the, uh, the third time. In the last seven days, we're uh, really get, getting those hours in, really, you know.
1: Yeah, putting in the ropes. work, clocking in. And uh, I think this is our first Go weekday to episode too this week. Is there our first weekday episode this week? Well, besides, besides the, the Monday. The, the emergency hall thing. But uh, yeah, a nice little full episode, get it in, get it in. Uh, and it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, getting into the holiday break, December 20. We're five days away from Christmas and uh, other mm-hmm. assorted holidays. Uh, So it's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, so, yeah. uh, you you want to start in on the Habs now?
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll start with the Habs. Uh, so we actually, we haven't gone in depth on the, uh, the loss to the Red Wings, which was six days ago. Uh, feels like a really long time ago. And that was actually their only loss in their last six games was against the last play Detroit Red Wings. Uh, that's frustrating. That was a very frustrating game. They could be, it could be so easily on a, on a six game winning streak now if they had. Managed to beat the Red Wings, which they definitely should have done. But alas, that was a two-to-one game. I'm pretty sure, right? And it was actually yep. two nothing till, to the last minute when Tatar scored a goal, and they were they were pressing near the end. And I'm pretty sure they they outshot the Red Wings by like about double. And yeah, so, but still, whatever. Like, they should uh, have okay. found a way to come through with. So the, so the just, yeah. Uh...
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean like looking watching the game is extremely frustrating. I mean this is a team right here, the Red Wings who have given up by far the most goals in the league. Uh so you should have no trouble scoring against this absolute tire fire. And uh yeah, they just they, they, they haven't shut anybody out this year and the Habs were one minute away uh from being shut out. So I, I, I essentially count it as being shut out by the Detroit Red Wings, which frankly is extremely embarrassing. And so this plays yep. to the, you know, the trend of uh this year that we've seen a lot. Uh, With another Detroit game earlier this year and with the wild one, they were absolutely garbage uh, of playing down to opponents and losing to teams that are uh, if like square in the basement of the league and that they should not be losing to. And so, this is the kind of loss, you know, where you're looking down the road at the end of the season, you know, you're making a playoff push and you look in the standings and you're like, oh man, I wish we had those extra couple of points, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. uh, to help you with whether it's making the playoffs entirely or just better seating, giving you an easier opponent or home ice advantage. And so, you know, yeah, they've been playing great. And we'll get into the, the the games that came after that, but it's these kind of games where you really you have to win because just the caliber of team that they were playing against uh was terrible. And uh, you mentioned that yep. yeah, they they were uh they were the be- they were, in terms of shots, they had much many more shots uh than the Red Wings. And I think their expected goals uh or like some expected goal percentage was like something in the 80 percentage. But you know what? At extremely the end of the high. day, you know, uh, you give me extremely high at the end of the day. If you just, if you can't finish, if you can't score those goals out of, against a team like Detroit, uh, it doesn't mean anything to yep. me because they ended up losing that game and they didn't even get a point out of it. Uh, and so frankly, uh, that's all I have to say. I'm just extremely disappointed. What about you?
0: Yeah, that's how I felt at that time, too. And uh, it's not just like, it's also, you know, the games against the Red Wings. And I think their first loss of the the 8-game losing streak was against the Devils, who are, I think, second last in the league now. So, and a a couple, the 8-game losing streak actually was, I think we had mentioned, probably their easiest stretch of the schedule for the entire year. So, only being able to bank three points in that stretch of the schedule is might also turn out to be something that you look back on at the end of the season that made a really big difference even though actually as as it stands right now they seem to be in a, a pretty good spot they're second in the division and uh, not too many other I don't think other teams have too many games in hand not more than one or two so it's actually it looks like they're in pretty good shape for now heading into um, heading into the Christmas break so um, yeah. the uh, the two recent wins definitely helped out with that they were extremely exciting and uh it's because normally I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be staying up till one in the morning to to watch a ten o'clock start, but uh but I'm on break, so I did. And it was totally worth it. It was awesome. Both games. Both games were tons of fun, especially the overtime game against the Flames
1: last night. I don't know if you have any particular thoughts you wanna talk about first. Uh okay, sure. Uh let's start with the, the Canucks game. So uh it came out of that game with a three one win. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's just that they, they, were, they were the better team throughout the game, I found. Uh, I mean, they they got off to a somewhat slow start uh, in the first period. It was, it was like a, it was a tie. Or it was a one nothing after the first. A late goal in the first. Uh, uh, late, goal, yeah, so. late period goal. Uh, still a problem for some reason. But uh, not, I won't get into that right now. But other than that, they were the better team. Uh, and they seem to have dominated. A team that is, uh, you know, supposedly on the fringe of the, in the Western Conference. Uh, in the Vancouver Canucks, and so it was a quality win, and uh, and Shea Weber got another one uh, on the power play, and uh, I I forget exactly yeah. where it was, but I remember being uh, you know quite happy with it. Uh, was was it off uh-huh. the? Yeah, was yeah off he the was drive? he was pinching
0: in, he was pinching in. He was, it was uh, he was he right. was pretty
1: close to the net actually. Yeah, no, and uh, so uh, this guy Shea Weber, I just want to give him a shout out. You know, maybe maybe a bit of a, a North speak, uh, if I do say so myself, as a Habs fan, because this guy <laughs> has been. Uh, you know, frankly, lighting it up. So, uh, yep. you know, what do you think? Uh, that'd be exciting. I think you should. At this point in the
0: season, I think you should at least be a be a finalist. I don't know if you'd beat John Carlson. Uh, the uh, the two specific things I wanted to talk about about the Canucks game were the uh, the offside uh, goal that ended up being called back for the Canucks with the the penalty attached to it, and uh, and also the. Uh, the Arturi and goalie interference call, so that the Habs goal was called back. I want to start with the uh, the offside one, because we were actually we were talking about it when it happened. And so the, the Canucks scored a goal that ended up being called back because it was offside. But after the offside had happened and the play was still going on, I think it was Nick Cousins got called for a... What was it? A hooking penalty or slashing penalty? Something like that. A stick infraction. It was it was hooking? And it was hooking. Hooking. All right. That that doesn't. That's kind of irrelevant. But anyway, so when they called back the goal because it was offside, they still kept the penalty, even though the play w- technically never happened because it had been called offside a few seconds earlier. And our first reaction, both of us, was, "Well, that makes no sense." The um. If the play never happened and the penalty never happened, we were kind of upset about it. The Canucks, they didn't score on the power play or anything, but the next morning I I thought about it a little more and I was like, yeah, you know what, you know what, that's not that bad. It kind of makes sense because because what I said to you was, imagine if it was something more serious like like an illegal hit to the head or something that deserves like a a five minute major or a game misconduct or any or a suspension or anything like that. You can't really just disregard a play where the play was going on and there was an illegal infraction. You can't just ignore it because it happened to be offside and nobody knew ten seconds earlier. So that's what that's what I think. That's where I stand on that right now. And I feel like if you, well, what I was gonna say was, I feel like if you call it for uh, for those big infractions, then you kind of have to call it for every level of
1: infraction, every degree. I disagree. I disagree with that point entirely. I don't mind if the major infractions, you can call them even if the play didn't exist. But uh, minor stuff, I mean, who says you have to call all penalties the same uh, in terms of like uh, like uh, a stick infraction with uh, uh, an absolute uh, blindside hit to the head? Uh, no, totally different penalties. I'm, I'm not against uh, penalizing, you know. I'm not saying that uh, if it's offside, you should be allowed to take any penalty you want. If not, it becomes a lawless anarchy. But, but stick infractions, minor penalties, you know. Uh, it's, I think it's absolutely uh, ridiculous, and I still maintain this opinion uh, a few days after the game, that uh, this was called and the penalty stood. Because, frankly, this the only reason this penalty occurred was that the official, frankly, uh, was not looking at it. The linesman, clearly, totally blew a call. And uh, the, just the fact that the, the play continued is egregious in the first place. So why should the penalty uh, be counted, especially for something... Uh, uh, Like, you know, a play like a hooking call where it was not uh, an egregious, you know, intent to injure anything like that at all. It was just, you know, they're playing hockey and the guy just happened to get beat and uh, he took a hooking call. And so, you know, just, uh, yeah, just I think that I I think my proposal, frankly, is too sophisticated for the NHL, uh, given uh, what they've shown in the past, where, you know, you you have them on a gradient, you know, for example, minor penalties, you don't count them. And uh, the particularly bad ones, yeah, send them to the box. But uh yeah, that's that's my thought. I think uh Cousins, I think it was, uh who took the penalty should not have been called. I think uh the penalty should yeah. have been negated by the fact that the play simply did yeah, not exist. Cousins. And just 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 the like just looking at the play, uh, in retrospect, it's pretty absurd that uh a, like the optics that uh you know a play got called back because the ref blew it and then uh and then now the Habs uh, have to to kill off a penalty, and that could have been a game changer. Uh, it was a pretty bad time to to make that kind of mistake. And so uh, yeah, and so you want to move on to the next uh, egregious call, in my opinion? Yes, all right, I agree with you about that one. Yes, the uh,
0: the goalie interference. I think it was well, it was Lekkinen who allegedly interfered with the with Jakob Markstrom, and the goal would have been Joel Armia's. Um. So they ended up calling it back for goalie interference, but in my opinion, and I think most people who were watching agreed with me that Lekkonen basically did everything he could to try to avoid contact and I don't remember who the defenseman was, but the the argument was that he was being pushed in he was being pushed into to the goalie by the the goalie's teammate on the on the Canucks and someone even mentioned who pointed out I don't remember who it was that if you wanted to give a blueprint. For what players should do to try to avoid contact with the goalie, that play by Arturi Lekkinen should have been exactly that. So I agreed with
1: that. That was my viewpoint. I think it's yours too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, he did nothing wrong. Lekkinen did, and uh, and you mentioned that he's being pushed by the Vancouver player. What the heck is this guy supposed to do? And uh, just frankly, it's a league-wide problem. I have no idea what goaltender interference is. Uh. On a goal-to-goal, review-to-review basis, uh, just I uh, look, if there's any contact whatsoever, it seems to me that the league just flips a coin, and whatever it lands on, they just stick with that. Because, uh, frankly, it makes no sense to me uh, whatsoever. I'm pretty sure they called it a goal on the ice, right? Yeah. And
0: then they called it back. Yeah. They overturned so, it.
1: Yeah, okay. So, so, it's supposed to be, you know, like, evident, like, it's supposed to be, like, you know, obvious that uh there's there's clear and obvious evidence that, that that's supposed to be overturned it's not you're supposed to the call is supposed to stand on the ice and frankly I watched it a million times over and I still can't find any evidence whatsoever uh obvious or not that LeCun committed goaltender interference uh and so you know just this makes no sense whatsoever. And I mentioned earlier, this is a league-wide problem in which I cannot watch any game in which there is a goal with any minimal contact with the goalie where I just I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, is there going to be any review at all? It's just, I feel like, uh, was it, Travis Green just challenged the play just to, you know, just to see if it would work. And it just happened to work. Uh, I don't think anybody looking at that goal thought, oh, yeah. that's, uh, oh, that's, that's goaltender interference. Wow, Arturi Lechnin. Uh, he really just plowed into the goalie there. Uh, no, by no means whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that, that's that's the extent of uh, it's just this. And if they had lost the game, I mean, I believe those two plays happened in quick succession, uh, like one after the other in the same period, whatsoever. And uh, and if that had happened, and that has would have lost that game, I would be absolutely livid right now, uh, even more so than I am right now, because uh, yeah, it's just if that if that cost them the game, I would be so mad.
0: So I think I got the idea of what you're saying about like an angle interference. We, we agree on most of it. There was something funny that, that happened leading up to that game against the Canucks that we were going to talk about a little bit. Uh, Antoine Roussel of the Vancouver Canucks was not very happy about the amount of Canadians fans that were around the arena on game day and who ended up showing up in the arena. Yeah, The quote is, he, he said, there are too many red jerseys here. It pisses me off the way they feel like it's their home. It's our home. Get the hell out of here. And for the most part, Habs fans' reaction to this was, aw, he's sad. He's sad. Oh, there's too too many Habs fans in his building? Oh, no, I guess we'll just go home then. Sorry, Antoine. You seem a little butthurt about it. And I thought it was pretty funny. I think you probably feel, feel kind of the same way.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought it was hilarious uh, that, uh, you know, He's telling the house fans to go away. Uh, and frankly, it's his own fan fault for not uh filling up that stadium, uh, or that arena. And so uh, you, you know, go. Uh, he just seems a little butthurt. hurt, and uh, I just I thought it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty funny
0: too. Actually, there there were a lot of Canadian fans in Vancouver, but there were even more in Calgary a couple nights later. It honestly, besides the fact that they they were wearing their, their darks on the road, which I loved, I loved the the reds much better than the whites even besides that it did feel like a home game because of how many Canadians fans there were in the stands and when Domi scored the overtime winner it was it kind of felt like a home game how the you know like the pop of the the arena when on the winning goal and i think you you said something about that they were they were even like playing the canadians goal song or after the like a goal horn or something
1: yeah that's what i noticed uh, Which I, don't I noticed remember. that well I noticed that after the Habs scored, uh, particularly after Domi did in overtime, uh, they played the goal horn. First of all, that's that's uh, that's weird enough. And then uh, they played uh, the Habs goal song right after that. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's a bit of a strange move uh, on behalf of the Flames organization. I mean, what, do you want to get the, the rival fans pumped up? Uh, rather confusing. Actually, I've noticed it in other arenas too. <clears throat> it's like uh, different arenas, they have different uh, procedures or protocols when it comes to, you know, Goal horns when the other team scores. And so uh, I noticed that, you know, when the Habs, when you're playing at the Bell Center, you know, obviously when the Habs score, they, they, they play the whole goal thing, shebang. But uh, when the enemy team scores, uh, there's no goal song. It's just the silence and the arena's sad. They're like Sad organ. That, it's a resounding sad silence. Yeah, or like, yeah, exactly. Or just like, you know, sometimes Wait, don't right they after, play, after the goal, it's just... There's Sad organ, anything. isn't there? I don't know. But uh, but like what, what when I'm watching the TV... You know what I mean? Like right after the goal, there's no goal horn. There's no goal horn, and that's what I want to emphasize. Uh, meanwhile, I watch other games sometimes, and the away team scores, and there's a goal horn, and like the fans are going crazy, and so it's like it's like you just hear the goal horn uh, in the arena. There's no real cheering uh, because the home it's just the whole crowd. They're just sad that the away team scored, and so yeah, I just wanted to point that out. And sure. uh, it seemed that the Flames did the whole uh, home team shebang when the uh, but the Habs scored, and I uh, to be totally honest, I was kind of perplexed. And yeah. uh, uh, whatever, whatever, I'm not complaining as uh, as a Habs fan going into Calgary. I mean, if you want to rile up those uh those uh you know those traveling Habs fans, I take no issue with that. But uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting to point that out.
0: That's very weird. I want to start paying more attention to that because I barely have. I just assumed that that with the away team scores, there would be silence in every every arena because I just never noticed that. Sort of thing, but uh, besides that, the game last night was tons of fun. In Calgary, they came back from a two-nothing deficit and a three-two deficit in the third period. And um, I have to admit, I was with one of my friends, so I was only half paying attention. But I was fully focused during the overtime and um, Max Domi's uh, far side slapper and OT. That's great. They were they actually they had just been mentioning on the broadcast. For some reason, they had said, "Oh, Max Domi, who scored the the OT winner in Vegas on Halloween night." And I said, "That's kind of it's kind of a random thing to bring up." And then, he, and then Domi scored. For he ended like a ten game goalish drought, which is which was kind of a uh, concerning, but but he ended it, and it was beautiful, tons of fun. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, yeah. Just visually, that goal was an absolute beauty. I mean, he just comes in off the rush, uh, off the rush, mm-hmm. mind you, and it's not it's not a setup up play or anything. Uh, and this guy just absolutely claps it. And uh, in the moment, I was like, thinking, you know, really, a slap shot? And then it went in. And so I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, what an absolute snipe. And uh, you mentioned his goal drought. It's nice to see him slap out of that uh, in that kind of fashion. And, uh, yeah, it was just uh, lots of fun. I mean, you're looking at the game, and to be totally honest, when they got down 2 nothing, I was watching it, I was like, oh, man, uh, we had such a good game against Vancouver. This is going to be a letdown game, isn't it? And uh, you know what? They really proved me wrong there, and uh, the cynical half fan in me was proven yep. wrong, and uh, I was absolutely elated because look, this is a kind of effort, you know, that you know it just it just shows how the team is doing great. And uh, just recently, right, you mentioned that they're there the recent you know five out of six or whatever it was, other than the ugly yeah. Detroit game. But uh, look, this—they out—they absolutely—it's not like they fluked into this comeback. They absolutely outplayed Calgary, especially in the latter mm-hmm. portion of the game. And uh, I, I would argue that this game should not have gone to overtime if it wasn't for the uh, the fantastic goaltending of David Riddick. I mean, he absolutely kept them in that game because they were being absolutely totally outclassed by the Habs. Uh, and so, uh-huh. uh, props to the Habs—an absolute fantastic yeah. game. And uh, look, this is a great way to kick off this road trip, man. Uh, this this you know Western West Coast, you know weird time time starts uh, and just. They're rocking it and I uh, couldn't be happier, uh, you know, especially after what we saw with that AK losing streak. You know, this kind of little stretch here where they're rattling off wins. Uh, yeah. It's just it's it's great to watch. Feels good. feels good.
0: I was, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we we pointed out how great Ben schroder had been playing. So I kind of wanted to, to bring up another specific player who's been riding a bit of a hot streak recently the past four or five games, uh, Yoel Armia has been awesome. And there's been, because when they acquired him from the Jets uh, about a year and a half ago for basically nothing, um, the consensus was that, oh, he'll probably be fourth-line winger, maybe third-line winger. And I still think he's probably best suited to a third-line role. But the way he's been playing in the, the top six now with Druan and Konyemi injured, he's been playing on the second line with Domi and Lekanen. I think maybe he could probably be a, a second line power forward full time. Maybe like he's breaking out this year, and that might be the role he's best suited for. He's got he's got I think like six points in the last five games right now, and I know it's a pretty small sample size, but I feel like because he's he is having a career year. Um, when you look at the the entire season so far, and we're almost halfway done, so I think maybe if when all these these uh, injuries come back, if the team is fully healthy anytime soon. If Armid is playing on the third line and he he's playing like this, that's a that's a that's a great thing for the Canadians and for him if he's playing against uh lesser defensive competition. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean look, I didn't even know he was on such a point uh, a a point streak, you know, six and five. Uh because I haven't been following him statistically. However, when I'm watching these games, I mean just like talking about the eye test, this guy's absolutely flying. Uh uh, on both sides of the ice, mind you. Uh, and so if I get into it offensively a bit, it seems that, you know, uh, at least a couple times a game, the guy just goes into the, the offensive zone all alone. And he creates something out of nothing, and you get a quality offensive chance out of that. Uh, and so he seems to be uh, some sort of great playmaker. Uh, and that's on the offset side. And this guy has been, uh, from what I've heard, uh, even in, in his time in Winnipeg, uh, a fantastic powerly killer. And uh, I think I, I've noticed that a lot this year, uh, especially recently. Or this guy, he's just been a fantastic uh, forward in the in the defensive zone as well. And so, you know, just looking at him play, uh, I, I love this guy. And uh, he's he's uh, you know I'm a big fan of you all Armina or Armia. And uh, yeah, just uh, fun to watch. And uh, especially since he's been hot recently, uh, it just makes it all the better.
0: So what I was going to say about the the Armia trade when they got him from the Jets, if if you'll remember, it was a perfect example of the right way to weaponize cap space because basically they were doing the jets a favor by acquiring Steve Mason's 4 million dollar cap hit and they they acquired uh they acquired Joel Armia and a couple draft picks too in exchange for Simon Bork who was basically a like just a throw in just a just an extra contract and they bought out Steve Mason later that day and the jets wanted to they needed to clear cap space so it ended up costing them Joel Armia and so the Canadians basically got this this free player for the cap space that they had and obviously that was that was coming off a year where they finished close to the bottom of the league, so you don't that's not the ideal use of cap space when you're trying to contend for a playoff spot, but considering where they were at that time that's a great it's a it was a really smart thing to do a smart investment to make okay. so this has been a rough show for us so far uh the the platform we usually use to record has been treating us very poorly our tracks have been disappearing our files have been Jumping around everywhere, so we are back on Skype right now. We actually just we recorded for what about 20 minutes, 23 minutes, and then it stopped. We had to stop it and start it again, and we talked for about eight minutes, and then now that's all gone. So we're just gonna we're gonna continue here. We're gonna be very professional about this. Try putting it together later. Uh, so we were we were finished with the Canadians. I think we we uh. This will be right after we were talking about Joel Armia. And we want to talk about the the Coyotes a little bit. Their first two games with Taylor Hall, he is playing with Phil Kessel, just like we thought was the most likely scenario. We weren't sure when we had our Taylor Hall show a few days ago if if that combination was going to work that well. But so far, it looks like there's great chemistry between the two of them. Um, They've been connecting offensively from what I've seen, what I've heard. Uh, and the, the they won their first game with Hall. They lost to the Wild yesterday, but the early returns on that trade are looking pretty good so far.
1: You had anything to say about Hall and Kessel? Yeah, sure. I mean, absolutely. Like, look, you usually we see with this kind of trade, you know, midseason, a uh, totally brand new team. You see players, uh, you know, get into it uh, pretty slowly. You know, they they get slow starts with the team, and then they finally pick it up. But it seems that oh man, Taylor Hall, uh, looking like some immediate dividends there because uh first of all, that first game uh, against San Jose he set up uh with a great play in the offensive zone, he set up Oliver ekman Larson for the game winner. And so you could say he's already gotten them a win there, uh, mm-hmm. and so that was late in the third period. and uh even uh even even when they lost uh they lost last night to the wild, I think it was uh look, he looked great. I mean, he's picking up the chemistry with Kessel, and we talked about you know on our emergency uh, Monday podcast, we talked about you know like, uh, the, the effect of a player like Hall uh, throughout the roster. And so we talked mm-hmm. about how, you know, players can get sheltered, you know, better minutes against worse competition. And uh, and, and now I think we, we can also say that, you know, he's also getting his line mates really going, uh, particularly with Phil Kessel. I mean, you saw the chemistry that they have. Uh, it's fantastic. And look, uh, I did not like the trade for New Jersey uh, when it initially happened. Uh, I thought the, the prospects were... Were of not a great quality, and to to base your entire trade of an absolute superstar around a single first round pick. I mean that that other pick, uh, if he's probably not going to resign in Arizona, we can't know obviously. But uh, right now it's only one first round pick, and to center your trade around that, uh, frankly, I think it's uh, it's it's not great. And, uh, nope. and so yeah, I think Arizona got a steal in him. And just the fact that he's been immediately producing, uh, he's looking great out there in an Arizona Jersey. Uh, it's just it looks uh, it looks it's, it's just looking great for Arizona. And if they keep it going like this in the future, this uh, is't this isn't a mirage if, a mirage, if uh, you know Kessel can get really get going. If Hall can really get going, both of them have had re- re- relative you know down years so far to start the year. If they can both get going, I think Arizona's very well set for the future. Uh, and, yeah, that's, that's, what I, that's what I think. Yeah, I agree.
0: There was some, some bad news out of Arizona last night, though. Uh, Darcy Kemper is – he was injured. He's now listed as week-to-week. Obviously, week. Um, he got injured stretching to, to make a save. And you could tell right away that he knew he was injured and he knew that he was probably going to miss significant time because of how angry he looked. I think he, he threw his stick on the ground as he was leaving the ice or his glove or something. And when a player is that visibly upset right after – They've been injured. is probably because they know that they'll be out for, for a while. Uh, we we talked on Monday about how important the goaltending has been for the Coyotes this year. And they're, they're successful first almost first half of the year. Uh, that was probably the most important part of their team. And Kemper was uh, actually, I think, playing more than Ranta uh, leading up until now. And now for the next couple of weeks, probably, Antti Ranta is going to be the starting goalie, which was actually what they were expecting when they acquired him from the rangers a few years ago he's had terrible injury luck so far with the coyotes in his entire tenure there and i'm excited to see what he can do in, a, in an extended stay as in the starters role i think he's going to do pretty well because uh i've been a pretty big anti-ranta fan for for a while now how about you
1: yeah uh i just uh let's i mean look uh i i you mentioned his absolutely horrible uh, injury luck, Ranta's injury luck, uh, as he's come to Arizona, and then when he finally got healthy this year, I mean, he found himself—you uh, know—his his job had been taken by Darcy Kemper, who, uh, and so, uh, yeah, let's let's see what he's got. And I'm I'm excited because, like, look, we haven't seen—we we, we've talked about how Ranta, in limited action, he has looked very well. Uh, he has looked very good uh, playing as an Arizona Coyote, and so I want to see what he's like. Uh, as the number one starter over an extended period of time, because that's what it looks like uh, with Darcy Kemper. You mentioned it's come out that it's week to week, and you hate to see it to happen to a guy like this who had been having an absolute resurgent year. Uh, he was playing lights out. We talked about how crucial he was to the Coyotes. Uh, his, his save percentage was somewhere in the high 920s. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, just uh, let's see if Arizona can keep it up. Uh, I mean, I mean, look, you kind of offset... Uh, the loss of Kemper with the addition of someone like Taylor Hall, so <laughs> I don't. So uh, you know, I guess there's kind of an, uh, an equilibrium there, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm just. Uh, we'll, we'll see if Rent and if Ranta can can play great. I mean, this team is absolutely set. Uh, especially when Kemper comes back. Uh, hopefully, he can get healthy fast enough. Uh, then this team uh, is looking like a menace. Uh, Look at going down the stretch.
0: Yeah, looking at uh, other teams, the the Pacific Division. We were talking about the Canucks a little bit earlier, and something funny I noticed right now. They sit at 21st in the NHL, which is 11th from the bottom. And the the reason this is interesting is because their first-round pick is top 10 protected from the JT Miller trade from last June, where uh, they sent their, their first-round pick to the Tampa Bay Lightning, which was a weird move at the time. And even though JT Miller's been very good, it's, it's still probably not a very good look. Because the Canucks, if suppose they do get the 11th overall pick, it wouldn't actually be theirs. It would be sent to the Lightning, and maybe uh, an even worse situation for them is if they do get a pick in the top 10, and then next year, their first-round pick is totally unprotected. And I don't see, um, unless there's some sort of big move that we don't see coming, I don't see the Canucks being that much better next year than they are this year, even though their young players will continue to improve. So... I don't know if the lightning might be getting an even higher pick from the Canucks in the 2021 draft. So that's something I'm going to want to keep an eye on. And the Maple Leafs too, actually their pick is top 10 protected, but belongs to the Hurricanes. And right now they're sitting just one spot above the Canucks at 20th in the NHL. So those are two very interesting stories that I'm going to be paying close attention to as the season moves on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh... A little note about these, these kind of trades, you know. We, we've seen, uh, you know, teams look at the Ottawa model, what they did with their pick of the Matthew Shane trade. Oh, they said, look, that was an absolute disaster. Uh, and so they lost their fourth pick there. Uh, Bowen Byron ended up being uh, fourth overall. And then, so what, the, the reaction in the league was, okay, fine, we'll trade away our first, but we'll always have protection, top three, top ten, whatever it is. But what we're starting to see now is that if you can't hold up your end of the bargain, Uh, If you can't, you know, perform well and, and, you know, make the playoffs, your pick is still extremely under risk, uh, no matter what protections you place uh, on that pick. Because uh, when it comes to these trades, yeah, you can protect it all you want the first year. But if you end up being that bad and you get that protected pick the next year, it is always unprotected. And so, you know, we just see a lot of these teams, uh, they seem to think, okay, it's protected. Now we can send it away. Uh, There are no repercussions to this. But I think we're starting to see with these bad teams, these Vancouver's, uh, and, and potentially even these Torontos, as, as weird as it, is this, as it is to say that, uh, you know, maybe we see uh, like a, a second year going uh, where they they lose their 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 high pick in the second year. And uh, going back to Vancouver, I mean, look, this team, this organization, ever since they made it to that Cup final and they blew it against Boston, they just this this has been kind of a, a train wreck. I mean. They haven't, I, I think they've made the playoffs twice since, and they haven't won a round. And uh, look, it's just Jim Benning with these July 1st signings that he's had where he doesn't sign any marquee names, but he signs a bunch of uh, veteran fourth liners to way too much money and way too much term. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems to me that it looks like it might sink the team. I mean, we talked about Roussel, uh, uh, and he, we talked about him earlier, and he's one of those contracts, him and Jay Beagle and Louis Erickson. Uh, Tyler Myers. They- yeah, Tyler Myers too, and they just signed him the past off season. And yep. so, uh, you know, just looking at the, the future, I mean, Jim Benning, is his track record for drafting is fantastic. Uh, Quinn Hughes, Elias Petterson, but his July first signings, oh man, that might handcuff them when it comes to signing these draft picks that he made. Uh, Elias Petterson and Quinn Hughes, when they need their big money contracts, uh, J- Jim Penning's free agent signings—they're gonna tie him up when it comes to the cap.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember this about the. Um... You mentioned the Ottawa draft pick, the first rounder that ended up going to Colorado. That actually, that initially was a protected draft pick. It was in the 2000, it was a, for the 2018 draft, but Ottawa had the option to keep it depending on if it was in the top 10, they had the option to hold on to it and give Colorado their 2019 pick instead. But the, the thing was, they ended up just being terrible two years in a row and both those picks ended up being fourth overall. So Otto ended up with Brady Kachuk and um Colorado ended up with Bowen Byram. And in a vacuum, I think Otto was okay with the fact that they kept the twenty eighteen pick. But the criticism was the trade that they had to give up a first round pick at all so far in advance. And uh yeah, so you're you're saying about the Canucks. Those uh those big contracts are definitely gonna to be, make it really hard to sign Pedersen and Quinn Hughes when the time comes, and the time is Really not that far away, so that'll be an interesting story to follow in the in the coming few summers, I'd say. Yeah. So uh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I'm not really sure how long the the total show has been so far because we've had to cut cut it up into a few different recordings due to our difficulties. I think it's what like uh, about 35 minutes so far. That's absolutely correct. Yes. Okay, something like that. So anyway, this is our. Last show before the World Junior Championships start. We've talked uh, in the past couple episodes about Team Canada, mostly. We've talked about um, their preliminary roster when that came out, and they made a ton of cuts uh, before our last episode about a week ago. And they still have one more cut to make it forward. That hasn't changed. I'm pretty sure the deadline is Christmas Eve. It seems like Aiden Dudas is good to go for the tournament so that injury won't be a concern for him so he'll probably be on the team and it's going to be someone else being cut um i'm not really sure we were we were going to uh have a more broader preview of the tournament now i've got uh, most of the final rosters are basically in um and uh yeah so canada this year is in a a really hard group they are in a group with the USA, who they play on Boxing Day, with Russia, the Czech Republic, and with Germany, who's actually like, as probably their strongest entry that they've had in a, uh, quite a while. Um, and the other group is uh, the remaining teams, Finland, Sweden, Switzerland, Slovakia, and Kazakhstan, who's actually returning for their second year in a row. Um, I wanted to dive a little bit into Team Sweden, first of all, because their team has a a very similar makeup to last year's team that ended up the disappointing quarterfinal loss to Switzerland, 2-0. They have have a few good pieces up forward. They have David Gustafson, who's a Jets prospect who surprisingly made the Jets out of camp and played a couple games. Um, they've also got two wingers who are draft eligible this year, Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz, who are probably going to be expected to carry a lot of the load offensively. So they have a couple of pieces forward, but their, their defense corps, their seven defensemen, is, in my opinion, by far the strongest in the tournament. I'm going to read it out to you, probably recognize a couple of these names. They've got Philip Broberg, who was a eighth overall pick of the Oilers. They've got Victor Soderstrom, who went three picks later to the Coyotes. They've got two other defensemen who already have NHL experience, Rasmus Sandin with the Maple Leafs, and Tobias Bjornfought with the LA Kings. They've got another first-rounder, Nils Lundqvist, and they've got Adam Ginning, who was a second-round pick of the Flyers and was actually earlier today named uh, captain of the of the team, and they've got Hab's third-rounder, Matthias Norlander, who has been—we've seen him pop up every now and then with, with highlight reel stuff in the— the, in the Swedish league that he's playing in, and he's projected to be the seventh defenseman right now. So that's a very scary-looking seven for for the Swedes. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the name recognition. Uh, looking at this group of seven, uh, is sky high. Uh, just like it, just and I'm I'm honestly surprised that the the Maple Leafs released Rasmus Sandin, given their recent defensive struggles, what with injuries and just a uh, bad defensive core as a whole. Uh, I'm surprised that they let him go. Uh, and so just uh, a guy like Sandin on a world junior roster, uh, certainly, nothing, certainly nothing to, to bat an eye at. But uh, yeah, hot damn, this defense, uh, it's looking really, really good. Uh, yeah, that, that that's about it. Yeah,
0: it was kind of looking like the same way last year with the series. They had Adam Boquist and I think a couple of those other guys are, who are returning from the from this year's team. And uh, it didn't really end up coming together. Actually, if I remember correctly from last year, at one point they they had like, Emil Bemström, who's now playing with the Blue Jackets, had scored like half of their goals and the other half were all defensemen or something like that. And uh, yeah, so I think the Swedes are going to be better um, better this year than last year. One thing that's been interesting for uh, – you, you probably heard about this. The Swedes, I think, haven't lost a round-robin game with the World Juniors since I think it's 2007, something crazy like that. They've gone – they're on like a 48-game round-robin winning streak, but they've only they only have one gold medal in that stretch. So that's a story every year at the World Juniors. They came very close to losing it last year in overtime against the the USA. Their biggest competition is probably going to be Finland this year in the round robin. But I would not be at all surprised if if that streak were extended. Uh, yeah, so that's something interesting I want to keep an eye on. Anything about that?
1: Uh, I mean, sure. Uh, look, you you mentioned earlier this this uh. This division extremely weak uh, compared to Group B, and uh, and so yeah, this should be a cakewalk for Sweden. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't like look. The, what is it? Eight teams make the quarterfinals, right? So it's like right. the the round robin barely makes a difference. Everybody makes it except for the last place team on but in both groups. So I mean, I don't put too much stock into the round robin. I mean, yeah, obviously you want to get going, get that chemistry going, but uh, you know, for me, it's I well, want it to get to the playoffs, and uh, yeah, I think Sweden. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it. It's just maybe Finland that gets in the way, but I think it should be a cakewalk uh, to continue this extremely long uh, round-robin streak. And But to me, that, that streak doesn't mean anything if you can't win the gold, if you can't win meaningful playoff games. They lost last year in the quarterfinal. You mentioned they only have one gold medal during the streak. Uh, so to me, the success of this Swedish team uh, depends on how they do in the, in the playoffs. And I think that goes to say with basically any other team that has any championship aspirations and uh, just going back to the defense, bit, it just seems that Sweden, you know, they for some reason, there just seem to be a defensive powerhouse. I mean, even in the NHL, you have, like, superstars like, you know, Victor Hedman and Eric Carlson, just to name, like, there are a couple off the top I head. Uh, yep. And so and, you, and it just seems every year that uh, this defense is absolutely stacked. And uh, you you talked about the defensive, uh, how they were the basically the center of their offense. Uh, last year, I honestly wouldn't be too surprised if that were to occur again. Yeah, not at all. Uh, one thing that makes the... I think the lack of success
0: in the playoffs for Team Sweden recently in the World Juniors, well, recently, like, I don't know, almost for the past 15 years, uh, I think that kind of makes this round-robin streak that much more interesting and that much that much weirder. And I don't know if it's, like, it's to the point where I'm not even sure if you can really call it a fluke anymore. Maybe there's something, I don't know, in the the way the Swedish junior team just always operates that makes it that much harder for them to succeed in the playoffs. I don't know, I'm kind of just... Just speculating. The um, I also wanted to talk about the the USA next. I mentioned a few weeks ago. I think USA was the favorite for to to win gold at this tournament, which pains me to say. But um, I wanna I just want to read out a couple of these forwards on the team, and then you can uh you can have a couple you can talk a little bit about it. So Trevor Zegers, Cole Caulfield, Alex Turcott, Nick Robertson, Arthur Kaliev, Oliver Wallström. They're all going to be playing for Team USA, uh, and they're all forwards also, so that looks pretty scary to me. What do you think? That's absolutely
1: disgusting. Um, yep. Just to have that in your forward core, in one class, uh, like in one world junior team, uh, I think that's absolutely egregious. And uh, look, you mentioned how it pains you to say USA is good. As a Canadian, it's absolutely disgusting to me uh, that this team is is the favorite, uh, and honestly, yeah, I would absolutely pain me if they won the gold. Uh, as uh, and uh, you know, there's kind of U.S. rivalry, obviously. That's that's what's playing into that. But uh, nice. yeah, I mean, look, this team is absolutely stacked on every single level when it comes, well, especially when it comes to the forwards. I mean, this forward class, oof, man, like uh, all those names they just named, like that. That's like first first line, uh, world junior stuff. And uh, they've got like six guys like that. And so yeah, yeah I mean, they they're extremely scary. And uh, yeah, they actually I. Just, it's going to take an upset for them to, to not win gold.
0: Yeah, not to mention they've also got uh, the best goalie in the tournament, Spencer Knight, who's actually only 18, so he'll almost definitely be back next year. Uh, So who knows what Team USA looks like in the 2021 tournament. That's the uh, last team, yeah, it's pretty crazy. The last team I wanted to kind of mention briefly here was Russia because I actually think Russia has one of the stronger teams they've had in recent memory. Um, they are known to even more than than uh, Canada to shy away from playing 17 uh, year olds and 18 year olds, and they very much rely on the players that are in their last year of eligibility for the tournament. But I'm pretty sure that they're going to be going with a uh, a 17 year old goalie who I I've mentioned before might be a top 10 pick in this draft, Yaroslav Askarov. He's uh, I think he's been playing in the KHL this year, which is you know which is a men's league. And he's probably going to be the guy for Team Russia in net. Also, um, another player is going to be very important. Habs prospect, Alexander Romanov, last year as an 18-year-old, won Best Defenseman of the Tournament, kind of out of nowhere. And he's back this year, uh, one year better. Mark Bergeron recently said that he wouldn't be surprised at all if Romanov were on the Canadiens next year. So those two players go along with... uh, Vasily Podkolzin and Grigory Denisenko, recent high picks at forward. Russia could uh, is a definitely a contender for gold as well. Do you Have any any thoughts about Team Russia?
1: Yeah. Uh, look, the uh, the thing with Team Russia is like a lot of their players they come from uh, the KHL and you know other European leagues. So honestly, I find it kind of hard to gauge uh, the the talent of these players. But when it comes to you know the the, the players that have been drafted in the NHL, uh, they do have uh, a significant amount of talent. And you mentioned Alexander Romanov. It uh, seems that Mark Bergevin has been doing a lot of work trying to get him over. Um, I've seen many times over the course of the year. Oh, Bergevin is in Russia and he's talking to Romanov. And so hopefully we can get him over and uh, and sign to a contract. Uh, and so uh, yeah, this team uh, looking like it's going. You mentioned Askarov. I think uh, or Skarov. And I think he's the key to their success. I mean, when it comes to goaltending, I think I think the, the, I think goaltending is the key to success for any team in this tournament. Uh, yep. But especially when you have uh, a prospect of the caliber of Eskayarov or Spencer Knight, uh, but less so because the USA is so stacked, but Spencer Knight nonetheless, uh, it really does become central to your, you know, championship hopes.
0: Mm-hmm. We should probably also mention uh, the defending champions of this tournament, Finland, who have won, I think it's three gold in the last six years. It's extremely impressive, especially for a, a relatively small country. Um, their goalie is going to be Justus Anunen. who was a Colorado draft pick and kind of been uh, breaking out this year. I think he's playing, I don't remember where, somewhere somewhere in Europe he's playing and he's been good, apparently. I haven't watched. Uh, they've got three returning players on defense, Vili Hainola, who played with the Jets early this year. Uh, and also Anthony Honka and Tony Utunen, who you might remember as the guy who broke Team Canada's hearts in overtime of the quarterfinals last year. He'll be back. Uh, along with Ottawa first rounder Lassie Thompson, so they've got a, a pretty good defense coming together. Uh, Rasmus Kupari is also going to be back, who's a forward, uh, LA Kings pick, and um, and Sampo Ranta of the uh, who was an Avalanche third rounder. So Finland's always a contender at this tournament. They've always got a couple guys that I'd never heard of beforehand that end up breaking out and having great tournaments. The name that comes to mind from last year was Arna Talvidia, who was actually the captain of the team. Uh, and I'm always expecting a, a surprise from Team Finland. But I don't think they're the favorite this year. I don't expect them to win gold. I think they could. I think they could definitely make the semifinals. Definitely, I don't know, make noise. Any of the big five could. Do you have any, anything else to say about Team Finland?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it just seems year after year that this team, so they, they just seem to be able to put it together. Uh, I- I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it's just sort of finished chemistry or it's coaching or whatever it is. It just seems that a lot of these years, uh, you know, you mentioned the guys that break out that you've never heard of. It just seems that this team, it just, they show up and they just end up being, you know, more than the sum of their individual parts. And uh, so, yeah, definitely, like, despite the fact that, you know, Finland, maybe their talent isn't up there uh, with, like, say, the top three uh, Canada, Russia, USA. But definitely, you know, you can totally see them getting it together, totally gelling. And making a deep run and maybe even upsetting one of those three teams. Yeah. All right. So uh
0: um also I'll mention for like twenty seconds. I'm kind of excited to watch the team Germany this year. Uh, Moritz who who is the high pick of the Red Wings, and Dominic Bach, who was a recent first round pick, and uh, Tim Stutzel, who's might be a top ten pick in this upcoming draft. I think that's how you pronounce his name. So there's there's more high end talent coming out of Germany now than maybe ever before. Maybe Leon Dreisaitl is kinda kinda set it in motion over there so i'm excited to to watch team germany and uh, actually yesterday uh there was a team canada played in a pre-tournament game against switzerland that i managed to watch most of they beat team switzerland 3-0 uh and one player in particular that i was extremely impressed with was quentin byfield who you might remember is one of the two players on this team it was a 2002 birthday um, I thought he was one of the best players on the ice for for Team Canada. Well, for either team. Um, he was extremely dominant. He's six foot four. Uh, he's a natural center, but I think he's playing on the wing in this tournament. But he looked like he was totally driving the play. And I think he's going to be an extremely important member of this team. He's probably the second. Canada has the uh, top two players in this upcoming draft class. Both uh, playing in their in their forward corps, and they'll probably both be very important players for them. So, uh, I don't know if you have uh, anything particular about Quinton Byfield that you wanted to mention. Otherwise,
1: uh... yeah? Uh, nothing in particular right now. I don't think right. uh, i look. I'm excited for Quinton Byfield. If he can improve his draft stock, fantastic. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about this uh, World Juniors? I think that kind of wraps it up. We're
0: excited. Uh, by next week, we'll have already had a, a couple World Junior games that we can talk about, including the Boxing Day Canada-USA. And also, I believe Sweden-Finland is on Boxing Day, so that's going to be a pretty eventful December 26th for the World Juniors, day after Christmas. So looking forward to that. I think okay. I think yeah. before we finish, you, you had something for me?
1: Yeah, for, it's, uh, time for, uh, it's time for a little quiz time. You had one for me last week. I'm back. Uh, yep. I've prepped one this week. Uh, so close all your World Junior tabs, uh, because it's time for the quiz I've named, Star Wars World Junior Teams. Uh, and so, you know, with the release of Star Wars that came out today, uh, I thought it would be appropriate if we added that. And so, uh, the, I don't know how much uh, Star Wars you've watched, but I haven't watched any of it, to be frank. And so, I am totally out of my league. So, all of this information comes straight from Wikipedia. Uh, and so, just just give me a little background. Have you watched Star Wars movies? Um, the one time I uh, was at one of my friends, I think,
0: 8th or ninth birthday parties. He put it on, on the TV, and I fell asleep. About okay. ten minutes in.
1: Well, that uh, was my, I hope, the
0: extent of my experience.
1: Okay. Well, I hope you learned a lot uh, during that <laughs> nap, uh, because uh, it's going to be on to the test here. So the, the the name comes from the fact that this quiz, all right, that will give you a name, and you have to tell me if it's a Star Wars world or Star Wars planet, or whether it's a world. if it's if it's a team, uh, from a particular player on on the in the world junior in the world juniors this year. So. I will. It will be either a Star Wars planet or, you know, a player will have come from this team uh, in the World Juniors. And by team, I mean whether it's a professional team or... or, And and I'll give you a little hint, all of these have come from Europe because they all sound like Star Wars planets. Uh, Is that understood? How long did it it take you to put this quiz together? I'm curious. Uh, It took me 15 minutes. A little Wikipedia search and uh, I found some fun names. All right, okay. So what's the threshold? Like, how long do I have to get right to win? Okay, so I've got ten uh, I've got ten names here. Uh, okay. so I think I think you I think you can set the threshold. How many do you think uh, you can get eight? Uh, I think I can get seven of them. all right, so we'll we'll hit the we'll make the passing uh, grade sixty percent as it usually is and so uh get six and uh, you win. How's that? Only six I think okay all right. okay you're not sure. let's make it seven seven sure, get seven. seven all right seven yeah. All right, let's get it going, all right. Okay. Uh, and uh, excuse the pronunciation. All right. So, first name, and I'll spell it out for you: uh, Deck or Frydeck. F R Y D E K. It's harder than I thought. Is this a Star Wars world or World Junior team? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Star Wars. Star Wars. You are absolutely incorrect. No. That is a team from the Czech League uh notably uh, Nick Malik uh the goaltender for the czech league uh is from that th- this team uh and so that is one nothing for me uh wow. that's how I like to chalk it up uh, and so you're over one this is a bad start may okay. have overestimated my abilities I think so I think we can we can bring it back down to six why not after that that poor start okay uh, six is the passing grade all right number two Kessel, as in Phil Kessel. Or Amanda Kessel. Kessel. Really? That's... Really? Yes. Spelled exactly the same way. Uh, I'm going to go Star Wars on that one. Absolutely correct. Uh, yes. yes. It is a mining planet. Uh, that is what Wikipedia tells me. Uh, uh, and so you're one for two. Congratulations. You're right. think
0: Star Wars made up new words. They just take professional hockey players' last names and stick them on planets.
1: Yeah, I think we've exposed them uh, in this little segment. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, oh, just a little. Uh, I, I didn't take too much from the Star Wars universe, I only took it from the film. So, if this all these planets have been mentioned in the films, according to Wikipedia, again, anyways. Um, so all third right. one, Polis Massa. Uh,
0: I think that is a uh, European hockey team.
1: No, it is not. Uh, you are one for three, it is in fact the planet where Luke and Leia. I believe they are protagonists in the movie series. It is where they are born. That is their planet. This is uh, embarrassing. And so chalk went up for the wrong team. Uh, the okay. Worst. All right. Uh, here's number four. Uh, Nitra or Nitra. It is N-I-T-R-A. Okay. That's that's a European city. Oh, yes. absolutely. It is a Slovakian team. Uh, and uh, Jacob Minarik. He, he plays for that team right now. And so, congratulations. You are running at 50% right now. All right. Uh, two for four. All right. Here we go. Here we go. I thought this was going to be fun. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Just, really uh,
0: you picked Star Wars. Wow. Uh,
1: it's extremely topical uh, with the movie that came out today, mind you. Uh, yeah, so, I let's think finish. it's absolutely an appropriate theme. Okay. Okay. will okay. finish this game now. All right. Jaku. Jakku. J-A-K-K-U. Uh, hockey team. Incorrect. Run From wrong. the Force Awakens, it is huh. a Star Wars planet. All righty, Modo. Oh,
0: MODO. okay, that,
1: that's a city in Sweden. I'm hundred percent sure. MODO. Wow. Yeah. You know, I think I'm I'm tempted to give you two points for that one because you even named the country. Uh, matthias so, The World, Championship,
0: World Championships were in moto a few years ago, or the World oh. Junior maybe even in 2014.
1: I made, it, I made it too easy for you.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, okay. That's I could key. use a boost in my
1: ego. I could use it. Okay, that. okay. I'll I'll give you half a point uh for naming the the country. Uh all right. Yes. What about pop rad? P O P R A D. Pop Rad? Yes. Pop rad. Is, is there an option where you made up the word? <laughs> I mean you could go and try, but uh I want no guarantees for any points there. Pop rad. Pop rad. Uh I feel like that's I feel like Star Wars things
0: are like like dark and ominous, and poprad sounds like a like a smoothie bar. So I'm gonna go with European city.
1: Wow, you're really uh, logicing it out. Uh, I worked that time. Poprad is indeed yes. a city in Slovakia. Boris Cezanek, uh plays for that team. Uh, all right, well done, well done. Here we go, number eight. You are right now four and three. Uh, number eight, Kashik. Uh, that is a K-A-S-H-Y-Y-Y-K. Three consecutive wise. Yes, correct. Three consecutive wise. Okay. Star Wars. Okay, yeah, well, maybe that one was a bit too easy. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, um, okay. Kuvi. Uh, K o o v e e. Kuvi. Oh man. Um, Just a little heads up. You need to get all of them right if you want to hit the hit the threshold right now. And you've got six two to on- go.
0: Okay, so I've got to get these last two both correct to hit yes. the threshold. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. KOOVE. Okay, there are two O's and there are two E's. And I feel like that's not a European
1: thing, so I'm going to go with Star Wars. It is, in fact, a European thing. It is a Finnish uh, team. Martin Hoog. Uh, good for you. You play for that team. Uh, that is indeed a Finnish team. And to wrap it all up, number 10. Ev Zug, E V Space Z-U-G. Alright, I think I think Zug is like I feel like
0: I I've seen that in with hockey teams before, so that's a hockey team, right?
1: Yep, Luca Hollenstein of the Swiss yeah. team, plays for that team, and so that is five and a half to five. Uh that's a all fail. Right. I failed. But I don't think you did so bad. Yeah, for all the this is a pretty difficult quiz, and yes. you pulled a couple out of the hat there. Uh, no, you so really went exactly. hard on me
0: for your first time.
1: I really did. I really did. I uh, didn't want to let up and uh, played hard. Bucks and deep. All right. All right. So I guess that's
0: it for now for for this episode. Uh, at one point in the next couple weeks, uh, we should really try to do a show in person because we've been doing every show. You're at your house, I'm at my house, and we're, we're using the Internet. So we should do one when we're actually face-to-face, I think. Maybe sometime in January we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, sure. Then we can avoid the technical difficulties. That we encounter today. Yes. Uh, yes. So yeah. I think that about wraps it up. Uh, happy holiday season to everybody. Uh, yeah. You know, have a good time. Uh, don't get too wasted out there. And uh, yeah. Anything yeah. else you want to say? Good cool stuff. Uh, we'll be
0: back next uh, either Saturday or Sunday. Probably probably Saturday because you you don't want to go too long without a show. So we'll go eight days. Eight days holiday break and we'll be back uh,
1: December
0: twenty eighth is probably the
1: Sounds good. hours.